Matthew 2, the story of the wise men, one of my favorite stories, one of my favorite stories. If you're here from last week, we we asked the question and we're going to ask the question every week. We have three weeks during the month of December that, that come before Christmas and then one last Sunday before New Year. So we asked the question, have you actually ever celebrated Christmas? And man, one thing I will really applaud you guys and the people of this church, y'all are really good at talking. And so like every service and every Bible study we have, and even in your own time, like I have so many conversations with you guys throughout the week. And that's really refreshing. Maybe every church is like that, maybe. Um, but, but I wouldn't think so. And so I really applaud you guys. I love talking to you about what God is doing in your life. And so I had so many people come to me and Walmart on the street or call me or text me and they would just talk about what they've really celebrated um, versus what we're called to celebrate because we asked the question, have you actually ever celebrated this wonderful blessing of Christmas? And we answered it with, as you might say to yourself, well, Hunter, I don't know, like, what does that mean? Does that mean like no gifts, no tree, no lights, no celebration? Does that mean we wake up and read the Bible for 24 hours that day in our closet in prayer? Is that what it means? And, and no. But you can answer the question of how you have celebrated Christmas. What is the primary message in your home? And we, so we talked about the origin of where Christmas came from, that it was created by the church for the church. Do you remember that? That Christmas is for Christians. It's not for the lost, nor do they want it. That's holidays. And so we asked the question, have you celebrated holidays in your life or have you celebrated Christmas? And it depends. It depends on what the primary message is in your home. If it is filled to the rim of something else being first, then you celebrated holidays. And if Christ is the center, well, you have celebrated Christmas. It depends. So we asked the same question this week. What have you celebrated? And the story of the wise men asked a question as well. If you have celebrated Christmas or holiday, it depends on who receives your greatest gifts. During Christmas or your holiday, have you really celebrated? Well, it depends, Hunter. Depends on what? Who has received your gold? We're going to read Matthew 2. And then, Haven, you're going to get up here and pray for our service, okay? So get your mind right. Look at verses 1 through 12. Love this story. Kiddos, pay attention. This is a wonderful, rich Christmas story, okay? Better than any cartoon you'll watch. The story of the, the wise men during Christmas is one of my favorite. Twelve verses filled with a lot, okay? So everybody, listen to these words. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Will you highlight that for me? There's a lot there. In those few words of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. That's a whole story, okay? Saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and we've come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them, where is the Christ was to be born? 
For they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from what time the star appeared. And he sent to them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also, right? Verse 9, this is when things start getting rich. And when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star from which they had seen in the east went before them till they came and stood over where the young child was. Highlight 10 with me, church. When they saw the star, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. The sermon today. Verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him. What they give him? Gold. What they give him? Frankincense. What they give him? They gave him myrrh. Last verse. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed. Haven, come on up. They departed for their own country another way. Let's bow our heads and let's pray for God's word today. Jesus, we thank you for this day. And we just thank you for letting us gather here today. We pray that we find you and see the what about the true meaning of Christmas. And we just pray that we have a good Christmas. And just thank you for dying on the cross for us. In your name we pray. Amen, brother. Amen. Thank you, buddy. Make sure you guys stay awake. I'll get you up here to pray. I love the story. And I love the wise men. I love the wise men. I love the sermons of Christmas. I feel like it gives you so much, and there's so many characters, and so many circumstances, and so many situations, and then you have all of the prophecy coming from the Old Testament really flooding into this one moment, the very beginning of the Gospels of the New Testament. I love this season. I love this scripture. I love these messages. Now, when it comes to the wise men, what we just read in those 12 verses, this is where we're going to spend half our time. There's a lot that we know. There's a lot that we don't know. And there's a lot that we're probably just a little fuzzy on. There's a lot that we're a little confused on. So there's a lot of facts that we just have kind of distorted in our mind. Not, not evil by any means, but we just don't really understand the big picture of what was happening in chapter 2. So one thing that we do not know is we don't know how many wise men there were. Hang with me. If I asked you, if I pulled the kids aside or my adults, I go, hey, how many of these kings were there, these magi from the east? What would you say? You'd say, there's three. But why do we think that? Because the scriptures doesn't say three. The reason we think three is because there was three gifts. And I love this sermon about the gifts. Do you know why? Like, why do you give a baby gold? Any of you babies at, at newborn or infants or one or two years old, any of you guys receiving gold this year? No. Why do you give a baby gold? Do you know why? Because these men saw Jesus as king. It's very important you see this. I've preached this many times. You only gave gold to people of power, 
People of statute. And so when these wise men came in and they saw baby Jesus, even though in a worldly way it didn't make sense, they said, take my gold. Why? Because we see you as king. What else did they give him? They gave him frankincense. Do you know why? Do you know what frankincense is? Back then at the temple, what they would do is they would come to the altar at the temple and they would light this frankincense. And what they believed was they would light this frankincense in the aroma, the smell, it would go to the heavens, and they would go to the heavens, and it would make God smile, right? And so they'd come to the altar, they would pray, and they would worship, and they'd give reverence, and they'd like this frankincense. And so these men said, I'm giving you gold because I see you as king. I'm giving you frankincense because I see you as God. And then they gave a myrrh. You know what myrrh is? There's really only one use for it. Back during those times and even today, what people would do is they would cover dead bodies in this myrrh and it would really prevent it from decaying quickly or it would kind of decrease the smell of it. So if you thought gold was weird, myrrh is really weird. So when they came in there and they gave this baby myrrh, like what was on their mind? Like why would you do such a thing? Like I get king, I get God, but do you know why they gave him myrrh? Because they saw Jesus as Savior. They knew the prophecy. They knew what was coming. They knew what would happen. And they knew that the cross was on his path. But we don't know how many of these men there were. There could have been many. Honestly, most believe there were probably much more than three. We don't know when exactly this happened. This is really fascinating for my history lovers. Look at verse 11. We read that and we just kind of pass by it. Fun fact. Says, and when they had come into the house, right? Well, if you remember the nativity scene that we have all around our house, it's just a fun family gathering, isn't it? We got angels and shepherds and wise men and baby Jesus and all of these people. We got camels and donkeys. It's a, it's a family affair, right? Well, the reality is, by the time the wise men got to baby Jesus, like baby Jesus could have been walking a little. He might not have had a great vocabulary at that point, but he was out of the shed, okay? So we don't know exactly how many wise men. Could have been 30 to 40. Could have been an entourage. We don't know exactly when this was. Most historians believe it was anywhere from eight months to two years after the birth of Christ. But we do know, we do do know who they were. We are not given names, but historically, um, it shows us exactly who Magi were. They were well known. Hear me. They weren't Peter. They weren't fishermen. This wasn't a moment where Peter, with his lack of opportunity, was asked to drop his nets. No, 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 no. These men had great opportunity. Wise men were wealthy. Wise men were famous. Wise men were hired entertainers. They were astrologers. They were magicians. They were the headline performance. So people of great power and kings and people in government or wealth would have magi around them at all time. Like if you saw a big event, the wise men were there. They were not journal fishermen. You hear me? They had a lot of options. They had a lot of things in their future. We do know that. So there's some things we don't know. There's some things we do know. And then there's some things that we're a little gray on. A great example of that gray is their travels. A lot of us believe, as we see in the picture there, that it was like a scene from Mario Brothers that they just 
followed the star, and then they got to Jesus' house where the star stopped, right? Well, if you know anything about just life in general and science, if a star actually came that low, it would, it would burn our atmosphere to a crisp. So it's not an actual star. doesn't mean that the story is not great. It's even better than what I'm about to tell you. Historically, and in the origin and the Hebrew and Greek interpretation of this word star and the prophecy in which I'm about to tell you, the word star literally means a radiant beam of light. That's what it means. Jesus Christ is the star. So we love the nativity scene with the shepherds and the wise men and the actual literal star hanging above the head of Christ, but it probably didn't look exactly like that. The wise men and Herod and all of the people knew of this idea of a star and this radiant light coming from Christ at his birth on Christmas. Turn to Numbers. It's the only time I'm going to have you flip. And it's not a lot of verses, but it's so awesome. And I don't want anyone to ever take this from you, this aha moment. I want you to see it for yourself. We're not in a rush. Turn to Numbers chapter 24. I want you to see this. It's the only time I'll have you flip. If you're a kid to someone who has memorized this whole book, I want you to see it with me. These wise men, Herod, the people of this time, they knew of the prophecies concerning the coming Messiah. So actually, that's the sermon next week as well. But I want you to see Numbers 24 near the front of your Bible. Look at verses 16 and 17. If I were you, I'd get that highlighter out. God's word says this. The utterance of him who hears the words of God and has the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. Look at this prophetic word. Look at verse 17. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but he's not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Egypt. Go back to Matthew. So we knew that there was a coming Messiah. We knew of this star literally and figuratively. We knew that there was going to be Jesus coming from a virgin. The people knew these things. There was a lot that we didn't know, a lot that we do know, and a lot that we're confused on. But one thing that is clear, these three to a hundred men, these wise men, they desperately knew the prophecy and they wanted to see Christ. The wise men, one thing that is clear, they wanted to see Jesus. Look back in chapter 2, look at verses 2 and 3. It says, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have come and seen his star in the east. And have come to worship him. I was praying and I was pleading to God to show me something powerful and even new this Christmas concerning his story. When it comes to every year, the Easter message and the Christmas message, I've read it so many times. I've preached it so many times. I find myself at times just basking in it, resting in it but praying that God makes something just pops and just crushes my heart with a thought that I might not have ever seen before. I prayed this, and I prayed this, and I prayed this, and and God brought me to the wise men. And one thing that really stuck out to me that I might not have ever spent time on or preached on is the lengths 
that these men went to see Jesus to celebrate Christmas. Hang on that thought. The links that these men went to to celebrate Christmas. One thing that is very clear and, and known about these 12 verses and these three to a hundred men is that we know that these wise men, they left comfort and stability and all that they knew to celebrate Christmas. There's one thing that I think is fascinating about the scriptures and people who spend their time studying them are the individuals that come and they study the culture and the history and the verses and they can tell us things that scripture might not. And I don't mean adding to words or, or taking away from Scripture. I mean just looking at stories and places and really giving it context. So if you're anything like me, when I see the nativity scene, I think of like my own life. And we see that star maybe at Walmart a mile down the road. And we show up and we go, hey, what's going on? I walk down the street just to see what all the commotion was. That is not this story. If you know where the wise men came from east and you know where baby Jesus was, most historians, when they look at that from a map standpoint, they believe they traveled anywhere from 400 to 500 miles. Not by car, folks, by camel. So a lot of us love Panama City and you go to Destin every year and you get in your car and you go 80 and it takes you what? About six to seven to eight hours, right? Depending on how fast you go, how many stops you got to stop at. I want you to imagine Destin is 447 miles from here. I want you to imagine getting out of sermon, the service today, hopping on a camel and going to Destin, Florida that way. Like how long would that take you? Like what would be at the end of that road to make that travel worth it, Right? Most historians believe that it would have been impossible to do this under a year. Most people believe it took them two years. Can you imagine going anywhere for two years? Like what would have to be at the end of that rainbow to be worth two-year travel? Of leaving home, of leaving family, of leaving career, what would be worth it? And just remember, that's halfway. These people had to come back home. So we go, yeah, the wise men, hey, I got some gold and frankincense, and guess what? I know it's weird. I got some myrrh. Celebrate. This took two years of their life to get there. And when they left, it took them two years to get back home. This was a huge moment in these men's life. This journey took years. I want you to think about the fullness of the story. And what are we given? 12 verses. Think about all that happened during those three to four to five years in these men's life. I'm sure books could have been written about it. We got 12 verses. I'm sure books, a trilogy, could be written, directed about the journey of the wise men. We're given 12 verses. They put their lives in danger as we know that. One would just imagine. It doesn't say any of these things, but... Two to three to five years journey, not with the comforts of this life that we have today. Do you think any of them got sick? Do you think any of them tapped out and they got halfway in? They said, hey, listen, I told my wife a year. This is looking way longer than a year. I got to go back. You think any of them got cold feet? Do you even go, hey, listen, I don't think you understand how great my gig was at home. You think any of them thought that, did that? You got to understand at this time, guys, Believing and worshiping Christ was still unpopular. 
And so they left their homes, they left their careers, they left their comfort to do something that was like Peter, and that's follow a Christ that many weren't at a baby standpoint. And now they got the most powerful man in life after them. We know that they put their lives in danger. What did that look like, you wonder? We know they put their careers on hold. Remember who they were. They were famous. They were not fishermen. They were connected to power and fame and wealth. These men essentially quit their jobs to get closer to Christ. They said no to more money. Hang on this. They said no to more money. They said no to opportunity. They said no to comfort. They said no to what they know. And they left all of those things with a huge question mark to worship who? A baby. How long is it going to take me to get there? Years. None of this is really said. None of this is really understood. Do you see it? This was not simple. The nativity scene that you have in your den and we light up in our front yard, it looks simple. The wise men's journey, those 12 verses could have been books. Could have been books. It was not simple. Have any of you ever said no to opportunity to see Jesus more clearly? I said, God, show me something. Show me something. Show me something. Hunter, have you ever said no to more money to be closer to Christ? Have you ever said it's not worth it? I'm going to leave home even though my mom's here and my family's here and more money. I'm going to leave what I know to see Christ. One thing that we do know is that these men left everything to celebrate Christmas. I was praying. I was reading. I was digging. I was thinking about the miles and I was thinking about the danger and I was thinking about all that they had left. And I found this moment where I am sure and I saw this moment where they were tired and on empty and then it happened in verse 10 and 11. They arrived. I want you to think about traveling a year to two years on camel and then they found the moment where they arrived and look at verse 10 and 11. I told you to highlight it. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. When they finally arrived, when they got there, what was their response? They rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. We're going to come back to that. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Like my mind, guys, just, just man, see the beauty. Close your eyes. Like, think about it. Like, my mind went to all that it took. Like, all the unspoken um, reality of what every step and every day that it took to get closer to celebrate Jesus on Christmas. And I thought about all of that. I thought about their tiredness and their weariness and their discouragement. And when they got there, what did they do? They celebrated. And what did they give? They gave their gold. They gave their gold. I want you to think in, like, I want you to think in your mind. If on a Friday, if, if your boss, wherever you work, if your boss ever says, can I speak to you at 4.30 on a Friday? That's not good news, okay? You fire people before the weekend on Friday at 4.30. <laughs> Imagine you meet with your boss 4.30 on a Friday. and He lets you go. 
And you have no future. You have no um, future opportunity. There's not something right there for you to grab and lean on. You're jobless. And remember, you still got responsibilities. You got kids, you got a marriage, you got a mortgage. Remember, you got to get back home. Don't forget that. They have to go home. And you still coming in on Sunday and you getting your checkbook out and writing your first and best. Imagine that. I kept thinking about this thought. Like, I wonder how heavy that gold was. Think about it. I, I thought about, like, what was the weight of that gold in their hand? You think they were tired? I do. You think they were confused or weary? You think they were thinking about, like, what's going to be open to me? You think someone has filled my spot when I got home? Like, what do we have at our disposal? I wonder when they took that gold out of their satchel, I wonder if their hand was shaking. You ever felt like that? Like this is hard for me to give? That gold represented something, guys. That represented stability and comfort. You think there was ever a moment in that year to two-year travel where there was a moment where they were tired and maybe, you know, Jeremy over here was sick and Ben over here wasn't feeling good and they were weary and they haven't seen my family and kids and we're on this journey to Christ and who knows what the future's gonna look like and they're sitting around a fire. You think there was ever a moment where one looked at the other and said, hey, listen, do we gotta give the gold? You ever think? Like, we got a lot of frankincense, but gold's kind of rare, like he's going to be thankful that we even showed up. You think that ever was said? I do. See, from God's view, from God's view, when these men gave baby Jesus gold, do you know what it represented? It represented that they saw him as king. But it also represented something else. From God's view, do you know what he saw? He said that it represented their faith. They didn't have an abundance. They didn't show up in an escalate. They left their job. They left what they knew. They weren't working on the road from home. And they took out that gold and they said, man, you are God and we will be faithful. Here's a hard reality that I need you to chew on this year. For many of us within the church, <clears throat> I'm not talking outside the church, I'm talking within the church. For the high majority, we will give financially this month more to toys and trinkets and gadgets and items of future garage sales than we will God's church all year. This month, the majority, for the majority, we will say, hey, we have to make sure that they get every item and I will turn over heaven and earth to make sure they do. You will give the low income, the middle class, and the wealthy, all alike. You will give this month more to Play-Doh and PlayStation than you do God's church all year. For the high majority... For the high majority, you will spend this month giving your gold just to the wrong king. I wonder the weight of that gold they gave. I wonder how heavy it was in their hand. You think they thought about it? I do. It was simple. I don't. 
And I think my brother's hand was shaking. And I, saw, I think God saw faith. That's what I think. I think that's what the gold represented. For so many of us, this Christmas, we will go and we will give our frankincense because Jesus is God. And we will give our myrrh because Jesus is Savior. But for so many of us this Christmas, Jesus will not be king. You will not be king. You can have my frankincense and you can have my myrrh, but my gold is for something else. And this mindset and this thought has diluted what this moment is for in your life. I want to encourage you by this story of these three men. This is a picture and an encouragement and a reality of what Jesus is worth in the eyes of the faithful. Jesus is worth your gold. Jesus is worth your career. Jesus is worth your time. Jesus is worth your yeses. He is worth your noes. He is worth your fears. He is worth your days and your lives. He is worth your security. Jesus is worth everything. And that gold represents it. And that frankincense represents it. And that myrrh represents it. I love verse 10. Told you it's the sermon. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. With great joy. There was not a moment where they were like, man, this is it. You think baby Jesus asked these tired men in for coffee and like poured wisdom into them? No, I think he was a two-year-old. So these men now had less money, less resources, less future, less stability. They come in, they see baby Christ. Were they disappointed? No, it says they worshiped and they had joy. Now, if you've been a part of Eastview, and I'm not gonna preach this sermon now, you've heard the whole differences in joy and happiness. Happiness is dependent on a lot of things. Happiness comes from marriage and happiness comes from money and happiness comes from kids and athletics and jobs and all those things. I love happiness. I'm not, a, I'm not discouraged by it. I, I want happiness in my life. I'm not against it, but happiness can be taken from you. Wives can pass away, kids can sway, money can be taken. So if you are living your life on happiness, it's a very dangerous road. Joy comes from Christ and Christ alone and cannot be taken. So what do we see in these wise men? Do they have more or less money than they started with? Less. Do they have a better or stronger future or or, or a shorter one, a shorter one? Is there more uncertainty in their life or certainty? Uncertainty concerning their worldly life. Do they have happiness? Probably not. Do they have joy? 100%. You see, so for many of our Christmases, church, our Christmases are dependent on happiness. We are flooded with materialism. And have you ever said the words or thought the words or or heard it? Have you ever said, hey, did you have a good Christmas? Did you ever say that before? You ever heard that? Have you ever looked at your kids? I've said it. Have you ever looked at your kids and said, hey, sweetheart, did you have a good Christmas? You know what that means? Did you get everything to make you happy? That's what it means. It doesn't mean did you enjoy staying home from school and the ham. It means did you get everything? Did you get enough? Did you get everything you wanted? That's what that question means. Right? And so a lot of our holidays 
that we celebrate, not Christmas. A lot of our holiday is dependent on. I had a phenomenal Christmas. Why? I got everything I wanted. No, Christmas wasn't very good this year. Why? Price change? No, I didn't really get what I asked for. And so now your holiday is dependent on, just like your life is. So we don't seek joy like the wise men. We seek happiness with the world. Have you ever celebrated Christmas? Have you ever celebrated Christmas? Will you be joyful either way this year? Children, look at my face. I hope you get everything you want. I'm not against that. I hope you get toys and clothes and the shoes that you desire. Will you see Christ and his joy? Will you experience joy either way? Parent, what do you seek for your children this year? You know, we like to talk about how like as we get older and in the old days and how life has changed. Like I don't remember growing up automatically getting everything that I asked for. And that's the world we live in today. Hostage list, right? And then we'll look at each other, we'll look at adults over four-year-olds and go, hey, do you think they're gonna be happy? And you go, no, 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 I I like to give. I like to give. I don't want presents, I'm an adult. I like, it's all about the kids. No, 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 you don't like to give, you feed the problem. And so here's our, um, our practical discipline like we did last week as we start to close in. We did this two weeks ago. We talked about last week the, the practical discipline to, to celebrate Christmas, not holidays, was to share the good news of who Jesus is and the reason for this season with your kids and those that are around you. Wake up on Christmas morning and read the gospel. Speak truth. Tell them about the winter solstice. Tell them about how Christmas is for Christians. Speak that into relevance into your kids. That was the discipline last week. Here's the discipline this week. This is a special Christian celebration, which has been fueled by great materialism and idol worship, which clouded our view. It has clouded our view of this special season for Christians. The discipline is simple. Live a life of giving. Live a life of giving. Not just in December, not just December 25th, but a life. Give your gold to God. I get a lot. People will come to me, and this is one of those high up there questions. I get this question a lot. They'll say, hey, Hunter, is it sinful? Fill in the blank. And I'll get people go, hey, Hunter, I just... You know, this house that I'm building, I mean, like, I don't think you realize how much this costs me, right? And they just feel uneasy about it. They don't want to talk about it. They're not, they're not proud of it. They feel uncomfortable, and they go, I feel like it's sinful that I'm doing this. I feel like it's sinful of this new truck that I got. I get that one a lot. I'm like, well, hey, brother, you got to drive. This truck cost me 70 grand. I was like, I don't know if you got to drive that, you know, but is it sinful? Is it sinful that I have this house? Is it sinful that I go to Disney every year? Is it sinful that I have this truck? Is it sinful that I give this stuff to my kids? Is it sinful that my kids get this at Christmas? Is it, is it, is it sinful? And this is how I always answer the question. You can agree with me or not, either way. I go, hey, listen, life is a gift. You've been given the opportunity to work hard. As, as long as Jesus is first, 
As long as Christ gets your gold, have fun with your silver. Amen? But yes, if that truck is your gold, then it is sinful. And if that house is your gold, then it is sinful. And so for Christmas morning, here's a hard truth that you're going to have to accept. You can't debate me. On Christmas, we will wake up doing the same thing. And some of us will run to the tree and we will open a bunch of gifts and we will see all the, the fun trinkets and toys. And it will be a wonderful, blessing, traditional time of fun with family. And some of us will do the exact same thing and it will be the evidence of your sin. Same thing. Live a life giving your gold to Christ. Why? Because he is Savior, he is God, but he is King. And the wise men show us it doesn't matter how long it takes to get there. It doesn't matter how much you got left. It doesn't matter what instability it takes. God, you can have my gold. Why? Because you are worth it. And so if you want to celebrate Christmas, do it with the clear conscience of this is not my best. This is not my best. My gold goes to Jesus. And now you can celebrate. Now you can have your house and your car and your Disney with a clear conscience of, hey, I'm living and I'm having fun and I'm living the adventurous blessing of life with my family, putting Christ first. Not, I know I have made idols in my life and I've put this world and this tradition before him. Very simple. From January to December, give, give, Give and now enjoy. So for my kiddos, I want to end here and we're going to pray. As I said, for, and my adults listen to me too, but for my kids, as I said, I hope, I hope you wake up and you get something special. I hope so, okay? I hope you enjoy it. I hope you have fun this season. But if you are a child and you are a Christian, here's a good discipline for you. Do not, forget the gifts you already have. And so I never want to paint a picture that I'm holier than thou and we're doing something. No, no, no. My kids are going to wake up on Christmas and run to the tree and they're going to enjoy it, okay? Do not forget the gifts you already have. Kids turn into adults with the same thoughts, same mindset. So kiddos, if you are a Christian, if you have given your life to the Lord, you've been baptized in faith, and you wake up without your parents and think, God, thank you for your spirit. Because now that I have this gift, I can enjoy those gifts. Kids, if you are not a Christian, if you have not submitted your life to Jesus Christ, if you have not repented of your sins, if you have not put your faith in him, if you have not fallen on the trust of a savior, understand that there, we don't have to wait for December 25th. You can open the greatest gift early. And there is nothing, hear Pastor Hunter's word, there is nothing that you are gonna get on December 25th that is greater than salvation. So I hope, if, you, if you're not a Christian, kids, I hope every present you open is hollow. I hope they're meaningless and worthless. I hope that. And I hope as you open them and as you see them and as you put them on, as you play them, I hope they're empty. 
heart-wise because I hope it's a reflection of what you need. And when we have Christ, enjoy, enjoy. Without Christ, it's empty. And run to that altar today. Jesus Christ, I don't need Christmas morning. I don't need a tree. I need your son. I need salvation. That's what I need. I want to enjoy the fulfillment of, of life with opening my gift today. Understand those words. If you got questions, come talk to me. Come talk to any of the other leaders. Talk to your family. I'd love to pray for you. Man, I pray that your legs are floating right now and you run to that altar with tears in your eyes of God, save me. Save me. Save me. Because you are God, you are King, and you are Savior. Bow our heads. God, we thank you for today. I love your word. I love your stories. I love everything that those 12 verses said and all the things that weren't said. Just the thoughts in your mind of the realization that these 12 verses was not a simple situation. Years, sacrifice, burden, hardship, fear, instability to be in the presence of Christ. And here's the thing, it was all worth it. Losing a job was worth it. Losing the gold was worth it. Lord, for so many of us, we are going to hold on to what kills us. We will hold on to what kills us. The wise men were wise only because they knew what to let go of. Lord, I pray that if someone does not know you today, that they find you today. Step forward, light this place up. Lord, I pray that you step forward and anybody that is blind, they now see. Lord, I pray that they accept you as Savior, as God and King of their life. Thank you for the church. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your cross. In your precious name, the church says, amen.